0: Well, uh, many of y'all know that um, Pastor Mark has been leading us in a series from the Beatitudes on kingdom living uh, with the idea that these eight Beatitudes are essential keys to the kingdom of heaven with its associated blessing. And I'm gonna hit number four today, uh, and um, and then Pastor Mark will pick it up, uh, back up, I think, with number five next week. Um, also along these lines, I think it might be helpful to look back <clears throat> pardon me, at um, Exodus 19, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, just imagine yourself, if you were there with uh, the people of Israel, that um, they didn't have an idea what a kingdom of priests would look like. Probably they had been in Egypt for, what, 400 years or so, and uh, the only exposure they would have had to the priesthood would have been probably the Egyptian priest. and uh, the Egyptian priests were kind of a privileged um, class that did not have much contact with slaves. So they were pretty much, someone just cast a vision and uh, and the vision would not have been easy for them to understand. Um, but what, what God did after that is he gave them the 10 Commandments, he gave them the Book of the Covenant, he later gave them instructions on holiness throughout Leviticus. So Israel is beginning to get a picture of what Uh, It meant to be a kingdom of priests in a holy nation. Chris, is that me or? Okay, okay, thank you. Um, Now, Peter um, in uh, the first century church said this. Now, he was speaking to a... A mixed audience. You have Jewish believers in this congregation and uh, non-Jewish believers from more of a Gentile background. And he said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And um, so what Peter was saying is, Look, the vision is still there, but now it includes you to the early church. Now it includes both Jews and non-Jews. We're part of the vision because we're grafted in. And so, again, the Jewish believers probably had a an idea of the priesthood. The non-Jewish believers would not. Can I bend the um, this away, will it break? Okay. Um, and so one of the things Yeshua is doing in the Beatitudes is saying, okay, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I want to show you what kingdom living looks like. Okay, you want to know how to live before the world and declare my excellencies, this is what, this is what it's going to look like. And then he launches into the, um, what we call the Beatitudes. And um, remember Pastor Mark uh, commented uh, early in this series three weeks ago, he said that really being poor in spirit is realizing your spiritual need. Um, and um, he quoted a word from Isaiah, and the word was, but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Also look at what David said in Psalm thirty-four eighteen: The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. Frequently, the very circumstances that we tend to try to avoid are the very circumstances that push us in the direction of the Father, that that enable us to draw near to Him. And this is the starting point that Pastor Mark pointed out for um, the um, Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. Uh, Slide 99, um, okay, uh, where Yeshua said, Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now this is interesting, labor and are heavy laden, because what we're going to cover today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, sometimes um, we as Western believers, when we think of righteousness, kind of think about doing more right stuff. Um, we, if we were raised in the Western church and then we came into Torah, now we do different stuff. Um, but this is not what Yeshua is saying, and it's not what the, the understanding of righteousness that we're communicated. He went on to say, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the, the benevolent nature of the one we serve um, is described in this passage. But kingdom living... Uh, is kind of released uh, based on something Yeshua said in Luke 9. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Um, It's not denying ourselves of things, but it's like a denial of self-determination. It's a, we're, we're saying no to the ability to determine what our life is, how it ends up, what it looks like. Uh, that is what leads us in to what we're reading about um, in the series that Pastor Mark has begun, with the Beatitudes. Uh, slide sixty three. Okay, uh, and this comes back, circles back to, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." This is a heart. This heart cry recognizes that. Um, the, the righteousness comes from without. It doesn't come from within us. I mean, in the sense that we don't have it inherently in us. Like when you get hungry, um, what your body's telling you is you need something that's not in your body yet. You need to go out and get that something, that food, and put it in your body, and then that will bring you satisfaction. And so the narrative here is describing a righteousness that comes from the Father. And um, all of you uh, have experienced, you know, the gnawing empty hunger where you feel like you've um, uh, you need something, you need food. When I was 17, um, going on 18, I was almost 18. I went to, uh, to the Air Force Academy, and this was back in the '67-'68 timeframe, and um, it was during the Vietnam War. And so um, the army and the marines uh, did their their fighting. Men were the enlisted corps with the officer corps. But in the air force, it was the air crews that did the fighting. Um, and so there was always a chance that an air crew would fall, get shot down behind enemy's lines, and then they would have to do escape and evasion to get back to a place of safety. So that was built into our training, and. Um, <clears throat> So the way they did that, is they took a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds and they didn't feed us, for one thing. They, um, and, and then, the, the, this was the rules of the game. Uh, at night, we had certain checkpoints to, that we had to find. We had um, uh, one compass for 13 of us. And then during the day, we had to find shelter that the upperclassmen who were eating three square meals a day couldn't find us. Because if they found us, then they would take us and harass us all day. And then we would have to travel the night before, not sleep that day, travel the night after. And just it would be exhausting. But uh, if you can imagine a bunch of 17 or 18-year-olds that have never missed a meal going through that training. Uh, we were so hungry. And um, they gave us two rabbits for 13 of us and then a few bars, now this is not kosher eating, just for those of you who may be new to kosher eating, but we ate everything in those two wraps. we ate the eyeballs, the org, I mean, we, we flipped a coin for who got the eyeball, we were so hungry, and uh, if you can imagine 18 year olds sitting around at night, you think, what are they gonna talk about? Well, it wasn't girls, it wasn't sports, it was food. Um, this is what it means to hunger, we wanted food because we were hungry. We were running during the day, during the night, sleeping during the day, and we were, there was what was called a pemmican bar, which was the closest thing I've ever eaten to dog food. We, we got one of those bars and we had to make it last all week. So that, that's what it means to hunger. I can identify with this verse from the sense of having had that experience. Proverbs 27.7 says, one who is full loaves honey. But to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. To us, anything tasted really good. good. Um, Same thing happened with water. Um, What they did is they gave us metal canteens, um, a pack of iodine tablets, and we had to find the water, whatever water we could find, um, as we were out running from them and in the trek. And I remember one time we, uh, we were going through a marsh. It was a swampy area, and that was the only water we could find, and it was gross. I, I, I would have never drank that water, but I did. I put my canteen down in it, threw some iodine tablets in it, put the top back on it, gave the iodine tablets time to dissolve, and because I was thirsty, I drank that water. Hunger and thirst for righteousness is what they're talking about here. Imagine times you've been really thirsty, times you've been really hungry, And that's what this verse is talking about. Um, Now, along these lines, we have to um, ask ourselves, well, what is righteousness? Okay, we're to hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is it? And we're gonna follow the lead of the prophet Isaiah here. um, Where in Isaiah 51, he said, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. We're pursuing righteousness in in our time this morning you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. So in our uh, study um, of righteousness, we're gonna go back to Genesis and look uh, look at Abraham, just like Isaiah said for us to do. Uh, slide 75, and um, Genesis 15, six says, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So righteousness in this verse was a uh, response to faith, and this is quoted several times in the, t- uh, in the Greek scriptures, the or what's commonly called the New Testament. Um, Now, righteousness was and is a fundamental virtue that's characterized by a godly life that's conformed to the Torah. And that's what righteousness would have meant. Um, But, however, what this points out is Abraham's deeds of righteousness came after he was counted or regarded as righteous. He was in a crisis of faith. Abraham... Uh, had been childless for a a number of years, laboring under the promise that he was going to be a great nation. And so God takes him out and says, look at the stars. This is how many descendants you're going to have. And that's when Abraham said this. At his crisis of faith, he believed in the reliability and the truthfulness of God's word, even though it was shouting out against his experience. He embraced it. And that faith enabled him to be regarded as righteous. Um, the, uh, in Genesis 18, 19, um, Genesis um, says that, For I have chosen him that he, might be com- that he might command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord might bring Abraham what was promised him. So in Abraham's life, you know, Isaiah said, "Look at Abraham." Well, his uh, his faith came first. With that faith came righteousness, and his righteous deeds came second. It came after that. It sprang forth from that. Now, that's one of the reasons you may hear some of us at the harvest say, uh, "We aspire for a Messiah-centered, spirit-filled Torah observance." Um, and what we're saying in that is. Torah observance begins with a relationship. It begins with a faith covenant established with Yeshua the Messiah. Then Torah observance follows that. The righteousness starts with faith. The um, Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this. Moses was uh, speaking to Israel. And he said, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I set before you life and death blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. So Israel, in this sense, look at it this way. Israel was implored to choose life. They weren't implored to do everything right. They weren't employed to figure out the exact technicality of the right action at the right time. They were called to choose life. And... um, The life there is rooted in faith. The life is a relationship. It's like saying, okay, Israel, if you want righteousness, choose relationship with me. Choose life. And um, so life was chosen. Now, we see this in Psalms. The wisdom uh, books uh, speak of this regularly. Um, Psalm 5, and Chris has exited. This is a slide... um, 65 and 67, Chris, if you get to a point of putting that up. Psalm 5.8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. Again, here's an acknowledgement that the righteousness he's speaking about is the righteousness of God. Lead me in your righteousness, not in my righteousness. Uh, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. And spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous. Here we are with the righteous again, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Remember, Pastor Mark has alluded several times to favor. Remember, he talked about Esther and how the favor of God opened doors for Esther and allowed her to do and see things that she would have never seen or done without the favor of God. Um, So the righteousness rooted in faith, beginning by relationship, brings favor. And with that favor, brings many opportunities. Now Romans four, the book of Romans is, you know, Paul was very scholarly. He was um, bright. He studied under some of the leading men of his time. Uh, and, And now here he was writing Uh, to the church in Rome, to a mixed audience, trying to resolve the issues between faith and Torah, between circumcision and faith, between Jew, non-Jew, many of the same tensions that um, are occurring today. Um, And so I thought what we would do, chapter four, is not very long, I'm gonna read it bits at a time. Chris, this will be at 77, 79, and 81, if I wrote this down correctly. Romans 4, 1 to 5. What should we say then? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, Abraham is the founder, supposedly, of the three monotheistic religions worldwide. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as Righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. There we have faith connected to righteousness again. Paul was reaching back to the Torah to find the lessons that the early church needed to do to resolve these tensions. And um, now David, and uh, Paul now appeals to David, he went back to Abraham and he said, here's David, the man after God's own heart. Now, David is revered in the Judaism, in the Western church, and within the Messianic movement. Uh, and, uh, but this is what David said, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins are covered? Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not count. To whom uh, the Lord will not count his sin. Pastor Mark either last week or the week before really kind of tied forgiveness uh, into the beatitudes and the, what we're learning about kingdom living. David did the same thing as he's quoted here in Romans four. Uh, the Pacific Islanders. Um, have um, a way of illustrating forgiveness when one person has offended another person, pardon me, the, um, the person who was the offender, they did, they did the deed, goes to the house of the person offended, sits at their doorstep step, and they cover themselves with a specific kind of mat and that mat stays on them until the person inside comes out and removes the mat. They can sit there for days, hours, they can sit through rain, um, but it's the, the action of removing the mat, forgiving the offender, that makes it happen. Um, David is commenting on that here, he, he keeps going. Is this blessing then only on the circumcised? or also for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as the seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still circumcised. I think we are around 89 and 91, um, Chris, he received the sign of circumcision that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised as well as those who believe with, with circumcision. So the point here is Abraham was declared righteous when he was uncircumcised. He was declared righteous. Um, Romans 4, 19, uh, 93 and 95, Chris, would be the slide numbers. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Now, Abraham didn't deny his current circumstances. In fact, he looked straight at them, uh, and but that did not cause him to disbelieve. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. So Abraham looked at his childlessness, at his age, at Sarah's age, and it was his faith that allowed him to n- not get too daunted by what was going on around him. And, that, and the passage says that's why faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe, who raised um, from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, trespasses and raised for our justification. So this passage that we read early back in Genesis 15 was not written for them any more than it's written for us. It's written for us. And, and Paul's argument here is written for us so that we can find resolve between the tension between working and believing. Um, the wisdom literature talks often of The benefits of righteousness. I'm going to read a few. Proverbs 11, if you want to go read Proverbs 11 on righteousness. Now, we're going to describe these benefits on a righteousness that was first established by faith. And now we're going to go a little bit further downstream to some of the benefits of having that righteousness. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and the wicked walks into it instead. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy and gladness. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked in wrath. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Amen. If the righteous, whoever trusts in his riches will fail, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. A couple more verses on this. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? See, part of what's happening here is God's gift of righteousness to us is designed to protect us. There are times that we um, pray for protection, pray for guidance, but righteousness and oftentimes wisdom are what God gives his people as a gift to protect us and guide us. I remember a couple of life circumstances came to mind as I looked at this. One, there was a neurosurgeon, he was well known, he was ended up in the cabinet, um, at a cabinet level position, and he was doing a delicate surgery when somebody, an attorney, communicated with him that there's a woman who says you fathered a child and she wants alimony payment. Well, he knew he had been faithful to his wife. He just kept operating. He said, "That's, you know, that's not true." He never even gave it attention. But had he played around, he would have had to be saying, "I wonder which one it was." I, 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 I let me think back. Where's this woman from? Um, you know, and he, he, but he didn't go through that because. He was righteous and faithful to his wife and that guided him through that false accusation. It's like like a guidance system. Remember, another example, I was um, was telling Martin about this before um, the service. I was riding my bicycle as a kid. And um, now that was back in the days where bicycles had pedals, thick tubes, uh, handlebars that were just to hold to. There were no brakes, there were no gears, not on my bike anyway. And um, so it was a very, very basic bike, right? And I was, um, I was pretty chubby. It's probably politically incorrect to say that, but I, was, I, I knew I was gonna come over this hill. There was a manhole cover there, and I determined I was gonna jump that thing on my bike. Now I was not, if you looked at me, I was not a candidate for jumping anything. <laughs> and uh, but I, so I came over the hill. And this is the hill of Martin that's coming down the Mazingo Drive. And so I come over to the crest of the hill, then I start pedaling really fast. And then I came upon the manhole cover and I pulled as hard as I could when my front wheel hit it and my handlebars came out of my bike. So I'm sitting there going down this hill, handlebar in hand, no guidance system. That's, that, that's the type, this is where rabbit trail, but that's my connection. And, and so the results were not good. Uh, I, I went down the hill into a road that teed and went to the right and the left and had no means of navigating any turn. And, uh, but righteousness is a, is a guidance system for us. It's a protection for us in, in um, the adversities we face. Um, Paul also talks about the centrality of Messiah. And we're gonna close in after just a couple more verses Uh, In 1 Corinthians, and this, uh, Chris, is slide 69, 71, and 73. Reuben, if you've got that. Uh, Paul said, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is a key verse coming up. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the flesh, worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. As you think back, kind of like Megan was encouraging us to, think back to where you first came to faith in Yeshua, where you first started your faith journey. Did you come from nobility? Did you come from a Uh, what the world would have considered a uh, a well-educated person. Some of you did, but many did not. Did you come from a position of power? Paul's saying, just remember where you came from here. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to change the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring the nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Paul talked to the church in Galatia and he said, are you so foolish you began by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected in the flesh? Paul was encouraging them to hold on, to apprehend uh, by faith uh, the work of the Spirit in the same way that I believe this passage is encouraging us to walk in Christ and God's righteousness. It doesn't mean there's no obedience on our part, but we, act, we usually act out what we believe about ourselves. If we can believe we're righteous, then acting out righteousness comes natural because we believe it's part of who we are. Um, Paul ended in, in uh, this is slide 97, Reuben, I think. Um, and because of him are you in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the point here is righteousness begins with Christ in us. And righteous deeds naturally follow that. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for relationship. It's to hunger and thirst for a covenant relationship with God through Yeshua Messiah, that begins by faith. Amen and Shabbat Shalom.